Thanks for watching NTD Business. Coming up. The British pound plummets to a record low against the dollar. Why and what does it mean for the British people? Apple announcing a major shift. It's now making some of its new flagship iPhone 14 in India instead of China. A possible trend of companies moving manufacturing out of China. Land becoming the hottest new commodity as there's less and less room to build homes. How much is the government to pay for the high prices? With that and much more, coming up on NTD Business. It's great to have you with us. Paul Graney here. What looks like Italy's Donald Trump moment has just elected a populist conservative prime minister. Georgia Maloney is also the country's first female leader. The liberal media have branded her far right, a threat to democracy, even something akin to Mussolini, a fascist dictator. But it's unclear why these labels are justified. Maloney holds Christian values and ran on the message that these values are under attack. Here she is at the 2019 World Congress of Families discussing her views. They said we want to go back to the past, that we're losers, that we're embarrassing, that we're unenlightened. They said it's scandalous for people to defend the natural family founded on marriage, to want to increase the birth rate, to want to place the correct value on human life, to support freedom of education, and to say no to gender ideology. Maloney won her first local election at 21 and became Italy's youngest ever minister at 31. She compares her party, Brothers of Italy, to the U.S. Republican Party or Britain's Conservative Party. Patriotism and traditional family values are exalted, while woke political correctness and global elites are denounced. It's expected she'll be able to form a coalition government with other similar parties, but that could take a few weeks. And the British pound fell back toward a record low today after the UK central bank failed to spark a recovery against the US dollar. This morning, the pound dropped more than 4% against the US dollar, phenomenal for currency markets. It was on fears the government's new economic plan could push government debt to enormous levels. Last week, the UK said it would impose the biggest tax cuts in 50 years. Worries are that these tax cuts could make inflation worse because the government is not cutting its spending at the same time. It'll print new money to cover what would have been paid for with the taxes. And if the pound stays low against the dollar, British imports priced in dollars will be more expensive for the people in Britain. Think oil and gas. The UK is already in the middle of an energy crisis. No spiral energy costs have forced steel makers to cut output across Europe. That could mean permanent mass plant shutdowns. The steel sector in Europe employs more than 300,000 people and contributes tens of billions of euros to the region's economy. Indeed, Colin Fredrickson reports. Europe's steelmakers face a mounting crisis as energy costs soar. Many are being forced to cut output, threatening mass shutdowns that some warn could become permanent. Apparam in eastern Belgium is one that has been forced to switch off some furnaces. Normally you would have molten steel that goes through this uh, production facility. You would see a lot of activity here. It would be hot. Today it's very cold as you can feel. There is no activity because the steel plant is shut down. The company's European chief 
Bernard Hallemans says Aparim's monthly cost for energy is what it used to spend in a year. Its production is down by around a half, with over a thousand staff now risking temporary unemployment. Major producers including Tyson Krupp and ArcelorMittal have also trimmed output. The sector matters for Europe. According to consultant McKinsey, it employs around 330,000 people directly and another 2 million indirectly. Germany's Steel Federation has already warned of a wave of deindustrialization. While the EU does plan to claw back some money from power producers, it's not clear how much or when payments might get to firms like Aparam. Hallemann says things cannot go on as they are. We are doing everything to solve the situation or to cope with the situation with temporary measures and we have temporary levers to overcome a certain period. But this cannot last for years. If, if this lasts for years, uh, we will see a deindustrialization of sectors like ours and Europe will also for base metals like ours become dependent on imports. This is not what Europe wants. If European steelmakers disappear, the region will have to import more metal from Asia. Colin Fredrickson, NTD News. And China, often called the world's factory floor, is losing business to India. Many top companies are starting to move some production out of China. Apple is one of them. It says it's excited to be manufacturing iPhone 14, the latest iPhone, in India. Companies India plants are expected to make 5 to 7% of global iPhone supply this year. That's about 11 to 12 million phones. In fact, Apple has been steadily shifting its manufacturing to India in recent years. In 2020, India made 1.5% of global iPhones. In 2021, increased to 3%. And JP Morgan says Apple could make possibly 25% of iPhones in India by 2025. Its predictions have been accurate in the past. Still, it's worth pointing out, Apple isn't completely leaving China. It's still its biggest hub. In 2021, China boasted close to 96% of global iPhone shipments, but that number is expected to drop at least slightly. But it is significant that the new flagship iPhone 14 will be made in India. In the past, India was only given the older iPhones to manufacture. So how this would work is that India would get iPhone components from China, then Foxconn India plants will make the phones. Foxconn is Apple's main iPhone assembler. So why is Apple moving production out of China? Currently, it's believed that Beijing's lockdowns and geopolitical tension between the United States and China are the main reasons they're causing supply chain disruptions for the company. For example, last month, Nikkei Asia reported that Chinese customs officials actually stopped shipments to an iPhone assembly factory in China. That factory was Taiwanese manufacturing company Pegatron. Chinese officials reportedly halted shipments after House Speaker Nancy Pelosi met with Pegatron officials on her trip to Taiwan. Pelosi's Taiwan visit was intended to show support for the democratic island. The trip provoked military exercises by China, who has vowed to annex the self-ruling island of Taiwan. A well-known Apple analyst says Apple is trying to reduce the geopolitical impacts on supply and sees the Indian market as the next key growth driver. It looks like Apple has some hurdles to overcome before it can shift more production to India. The biggest one is that there's a huge supply network in China that doesn't exist in India. It's going to take a lot of time and money to get a system in India that's comparable to there. 
But if JP Morgan analyst predictions are correct, then it looks like Apple is willing to put in the time and effort to shift production to India. Apple's move comes as many big companies are also looking to break apart from China due to the supply chain issues and COVID lockdowns. Last month, Japanese newspaper Sankei reported that car maker Honda was considering building a parallel supply chain outside of China to lessen its dependence on it. Well, the Japanese car maker Mazda also considering moving production to China. The company reported a loss of $115 million for the last quarter due to production snags caused by China's COVID lockdowns. In July, Business Korea reported that Samsung Electronics workforce in China plummeted to just 17,000 workers, a massive 70% drop compared to its peak of 63,000 as recently as 2013. A June survey from AmCham China and AmCham Shanghai reported that a total of 45% of foreign companies and manufacturers were considering scaling back their plans to invest in China. A quarter of manufacturers were thinking of moving out of the country. It seems like companies leaving China could become a growing trend moving forward. We'll keep you updated. And Elon Musk's SpaceX has activated its Starlink internet service in Iran. As the authoritarian government there cut internet service in the country amid growing protests. Anthony Shah Marshall has the details. Elon Musk is offering Starlink internet service to the people of Iran. Due to reported internet outages after widespread protests started, the protests began after a 22 year old Kurdish woman, Masha Amini, died in the custody of Iran's morality police. Reports say she was arrested for allegedly not wearing a hijab, the Muslim head covering. Iran is an authoritarian regime, and women there must cover their hair under the law. Some women have publicly cut their hair and burned their headscarves in defiance of the Iranian authorities. A number of protesters have now been killed after confrontations with security forces and pro-government militia. The reason for attention on Starlink's usage is that it's hard for authorities to stop or control because it uses many encrypted satellites. So stopping just one satellite will not shut down the connections. The Starlink system has been successfully used in helping Ukrainian drones drop bombs on Russian forward positions. And people in besieged cities near the Russian border have stayed in touch with loved ones via the satellites. The Starlink system requires the use of local terminals and is not yet known how those terminals would get into Iran. The Iranian government has not taken kindly to Musk's attempt to offer internet access to its citizens. The US recently relaxed its internet-related sanctions on Iran, allowing citizens to avoid government censorship and surveillance. The Iranian foreign ministry said the US action was violating Iran's sovereignty and officials blocked Starlink's website the same day. Sean Marshall, NTD News. We'll keep you updated on that. Down on Wall Street today, stocks fell. The Dow lost 330 points, one and one-tenth of a percent. S&P 500 dropped 38 points, one percent. And the Nasdaq fell 65.6 tenths of a percent today. And as mortgage rates continue to rise, the housing market seems to be softening. More people are canceling home purchases. In August, over 15% of home purchase agreements were cancelled. It's the second month in a row, according to real estate brokerage Redfin. Compared to a year ago, cancellations are up three percentage points. Home buyers in the Sun Belt are backing out at a higher rate than anywhere else, think Phoenix, Tampa, Las Vegas. 
Those places became more popular during the pandemic, but on the other hand, people are least likely to back out in pricey coastal cities like New York or San Francisco. They're making a comeback after the pandemic, in fact. And the United States is experiencing a lot of land inflation. Land, scarce resource that's used for homes and businesses, is becoming more and more expensive. Wall Street Journal even says that America is running out of land for housing. Real estate guy's radio host Robert Helms has seen demand rising. There's lots of new folks in the land business. They want to acquire land, whether it's for development or agriculture or cattle, and that rises the price. With inflation like we've seen it and yields stretched and cap rates compressed, people are looking for places to store their wealth. Land for centuries has been one of those places. Helm said that land prices usually inch up along with inflation, but because of current economic issues, like such as the supply chain issues of the war in Ukraine, the recent surge in land demand has boosted it. He's seen land prices increase more than home prices in some areas, and many are going to the Sun Belt, which is the southern part of the United States that goes from California to Florida. Something the Sun Belt could see land inflation that rivals that in New York or San Francisco. Another reason for land inflation is zoning. To explain zoning, here's the CEO of Zoned Properties, Brian McLaren. It is the process of rules and regulation that tell us where different things in our communities can be located and then how those operations and those pieces of property, whether that's entertainment venues, whether that's housing, condos, single or multifamily housing, um, governmental buildings, utilities. And so that master planning process, which is governed by zoning rules, tells developers in every single community where they can put these things. Think, you know, the game SimCity. Real estate developers, they can't just build however they please. They need to conform to the local government's zoning rules and get approval for those rules. However, these zoning rules can get very complicated and burdensome to the point they contribute significantly to rising prices. McLaren's company, Zone Properties, actually focuses on these highly regulated areas. He also makes a business out of helping other developers navigate the tight regulations. Helms from the Real Estate Guys says zoning can raise prices 5 to 15 percent, depending on different factors. Meanwhile, we spoke with Wayne Weingarten from the Pacific Research Institute, who says there's just far too much regulation in general. The zoning regulations in and of themselves, they create um, a shortage in two ways. Right? One, you're going, to, uh, you're going to make it impossible to build, right? So you're going to have a shortage of supply. Related to that one as well, you're going to restrict zoning regulations, restrict what you can build. So they're going to say, and you have that a lot in uh, San Francisco. You've seen that in Tampa Bay where they'll say, we want a certain look to our city. And therefore, we're going to say you can't do multifamily housing. You can't do, uh, you know, high rises. A study from the National Bureau of Economic Research says that zoning restrictions cost homeowners $400,000 in the average home. That's in California. Wayne Weingarten says that America has moved to a one-size-fits-all approach. But he believes that every area is different and needs different types of regulation that reflect local preferences. 
For example, some types of buildings make more sense in denser areas such as cities. Also, some areas have too much suburban sprawl, making it hard to commute to work. So overburdensome zoning isn't the only factor. Another is government corruption. Robert Helms from the Real Estate Guys radio show has even witnessed this corruption firsthand. So we had the chance to attend a land auction that was put on by the government a few years ago, and there were a few major players that were looking at a particular parcel. We had looked at the parcel and thought, well, the zoning it has isn't something that would work for our project, and yet a couple of these developers were bidding that project up, and about a year later, I saw that the zoning had been changed. And the zoning rules aren't good for developers. They have an incentive to even bribe officials into making them more favorable, apparently. Helm says it's common for developers to buy properties that are outside the norm, bid the prices up, and then see the zoning magically change later on. He says no one knows exactly how often it occurs, but it is prevalent and adds to prices. Not everything that goes up has to come down. When land goes up in value, it can be difficult for prices to drop. Homeowners make up the majority of U.S. households, and they don't want their own land depreciating in value, so they're likely to oppose any changes to zoning rules. Also, buildings require infrastructure such as electricity, running water, and natural gas, roads as well, which are expensive and take time. So land will always be scarce, and as the saying goes, when the stock market goes down, a lot of people go to ground. And if you have any tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come this evening. President Biden proposing a new rule to make flight tickets more transparent. How does he plan to do it? And Amazon is putting a second Prime Day sale on the calendar, getting a jump on the holiday shopping season. We have that and much more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. The White House wants to make flight tickets more transparent. The president today proposing a new rule calls on the travel industry to be more upfront about how customers are being charged for baggage cancellations or flight changes. The Transportation Department says travel sites and airlines will have to disclose any possible additional fees the first time an airfare is displayed. The White House says airlines made nearly $700 million on cancellation and change fees last year. The proposal would need to go through a 60-day comment period before final approval. The president made the announcement at a White House Competition Council meeting. The group was established last year to help consumers save money. And Amazon is getting a big jump in the holiday shopping season. The company rolling out what is called its Prime Early Access Sale, which will be similar to its annual Prime Day Sale. The company says it will offer deals on hundreds of thousands of items to Prime members. Sales set for October 11th and 12th for shoppers in 15 countries around the world. Other retailers also getting a jump 
jump start on the holidays with Walmart announcing last week that it'll start its holiday shopping early as next month. Target says its deal days will be held October 6th through the 8th. And Australians spend billions of dollars on beauty and cosmetics products every year. But how much of the waste ends up in landfills? New recycling initiatives could help, though. Anthony's Andrew Thomas has more. Every year, millions of beauty products like these end up in landfills. Large volumes, over 10,000 tonnes in Australia alone, of cosmetic waste goes to landfill every year. And all of those uh, raw materials that are used are highly valuable to be reused over and over again. In Australia, the $5.5 billion cosmetics industry is growing, but awareness of sustainability issues is increasing too. Take-back programs allow consumers to return their empty containers to stores. They're eventually recycled into other products like concrete, glass replacements, and plastic composites. Recycling is definitely a last line of defense and also looking at things further up. Uh, the, the hierarchy, looking at things like reuse and refillable packaging. But there are questions about how much product ends up in landfills anyway, and how useful the recycled products really are. There definitely is, um, you know, some skepticism and mistrust out there, you know, that businesses may be greenwashing. And so while I think most businesses really are trying to do the right thing, being transparent about how much um, is being returned, what it's being turned into, Close the Loop was recently awarded a $700,000 government grant for a cosmetics recycling trial and has teamed up with department store Meyer and MAC Cosmetics. The trial will test accepting items typically considered too difficult to recycle, like nail polish and aerosols. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. As the latest from the NTD Business team and myself, Paul Graney. Follow me on Twitter, though, if you're there. And if you have any news, tips, feedback for the show, maybe you can email us, business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thank you for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.